Welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. It is a delight to have you with us this morning. Before we begin worship, there are always a few announcements. First of all, we love to have first-time visitors, and especially first-time visitors. If the first-time visitors will raise their hands, we have a little present for you to remember us by. Hands, don't be. Y'all are going to be busy this morning with the raised hands. Anybody else? That's great. We are delighted to have you worship with us today. Should you need a restroom, there's one under that stairwell right there. And so um, if you need it, feel free. In your each pew are blue books. They're friendship books. If you would not mind signing those so we'll know of your presence. And if you would like any other information to please put it there. There's a nursery in the ministry center, which is the building to my right. And any children six and under are welcome. Brunch, bunch, lunch, or Bunch brunch uh, is returning to Pano Divino today after worship. Uh, Best tells me there are a few places still available, so if you want to, please be there by noon and enjoy a fellowship lunch. Christian education and mission committees meet today immediately after worship in the ministry center. Wednesday p.m. at 6 is Italian night, it's a fellowship supper, pizza will be served, and y'all are to bring an Italian dish. And we are going to sing hymns from the new hymnal. It's been out for 10 years or so. <laughs> we don't let you want you to think that we're on the leading edge of the curve. But please join us, all the visitors are totally welcome. There is always so much food, it's amazing. Feeding the multitude is this Saturday. It begins at noon. All of the churches are contributing food for a Thanksgiving dinner for the entire island. You are welcome to come at noon, and it's, I think, noon to three, is that correct? Noon to two multiple seatings. So please come. It will be at Trinity Presbyterian Church, uh, Episcopal Church. Woo! Okay. Everybody's a Presbyterian today, in case you're wondering. Um, if you need more details, contact Dawn Reiser. Bess will be available up here after church to take your photos. We're trying to update the um, directory, and so if you would like, Please meet Beth. She's right there in the corner, and she will take your picture. They hope to have a new photo directory available uh, the first of the year. Please check your flash for more information uh, of upcoming events. And now let us worship with the prelude from the Chime Choir.
Those who are able, please stand for the call to worship. Come into God's presence with singing and praise. Bringing dance and melody, joy and laughter. Sing a song to God, even as we remember ancient wisdom. Let us worship God. Please bow your heads. God of ages past, hope of days yet to come. We come into your presence with joy and thanksgiving. For those who have gone before us, we gratefully remember their wisdom. For those who follow us, we fervently pray for their growth in faith. For those who are here now, we offer our lives that we may be faithful disciples to your love. In Christ's name, we pray. May we remain standing to sing hymn 460, Holy God, we praise your name.
Please be seated. For the peace and unity of all the saints, trusting in the promise of God's grace, let us confess our sin to God and before one another. We pray now together. God of the covenant, who calls all people to reconciliation, you have made us members of the very body of Christ, yet we persist in wounding that body with our divisions, our suspicions, and our neglect. Forgive us and teach us to nurture unity and peace for the sake of Jesus Christ and the world he came to save, we pray. Amen. May we stand for the assurance of pardon. In the great compassion of our God, the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus has shown us God's forgiveness of sins. Therefore, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Wisdom on high, may we truly hear your word and bear the fruit of its power. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may discern the hope which we are called. Set free the spirit striving within us that we may share the riches of your powerful love with this world. Mark us with the seal of your Holy Spirit, that we may walk in the path of blessedness with the saints who came before us. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is Daniel 7, 1 through 3, and 15 through 18. In the first year of King Belzalar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in a vision by the night of the four winds of heaven 
stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all of this. So he said that he would disclose it to me in an interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to invite any children to come forward for our time together. We're going to sit here in the middle of the communion tables. Come join us. Come sit over here in the middle. Are you staying in the pew, Kel? Okay, you can sit right here. Hey, Grace, come over here on this side so that we're all together. You want to sit right there, Ella Faith? That's okay. Fine. So um, has everyone, anyone ever had a hard time remembering anything? Is there something that you just, you have to remember? And gosh, it just, it's hard to remember. Have you ever had that experience? Never? Wow. Do you, have you, who has brought their lunchbox home from school every single day? Whoa, I am super impressed. Well, there is an old trick, and they say that if you really need to remember something, you take a string, and you tie it around your finger. Let me tie one around your finger, Grace. What do you need to remember? What's something important you need to remember? Put your shoes on before you go to school? Okay, that's a good one. All right, let me see your finger. Oh, give me your right, yeah. I'm gonna tie this around your finger loosely, and can you feel it on there? Yeah. So the idea is that you put something, would you like one? Let me see, what do you need to remember, Ella Faith? What's something that you, that you need to remember like every day? Brush your teeth. Yeah, okay, we'll tie this on there. So this will help you remember. So the idea is that you feel this on your finger and you know that you put it there for a specific reason to help you remember something. So it allows, do you need one? No. So it allows you to remember that specific thing. So think about that. We're going to come back to that. But before we talk about remembering, I want us to talk a little bit about that passage of Scripture that Miss Betty just read to us. Did you know that a lot of Bible scholars consider chapter 7 of the book of Daniel one of the most important chapters of the entire Old Testament? Gosh, that, that must mean it's pretty important. And we really don't even talk about it that much because... The book of Daniel is a little bit of a difficult book to read. But in this chapter, Daniel has visions. He has dreams. Have you guys ever had a dream before? Did you ever dream and, and you woke up and you remembered the dream? Well, in this chapter, it says that Daniel had a dream. And he dreamed about four great beasts. And they rose up out of the water. And then the part that she didn't read because she just read selections because it's a really long chapter, the part that she didn't read is that Daniel also saw in that dream 
God Almighty sitting on God's throne. And he went to someone who was knowledgeable and he said, you know, I don't know what this dream means. Can you help me understand it? And the interpreter said, well, those four beasts, they represent different nations of the world. And nations rise and they fall. They don't last forever. When, when you guys get into learning history, you're going to learn about ancient civilizations that um, took, like the Mesopotamians or the Romans or the Greeks, and they were great nations that ruled over lots of places in the earth. But they're not here anymore, are they? We've got other great nations, like our nation, right? So the interpretation is that these kingdoms, these earthly kingdoms, they're not going to last forever. But the kingdom of God, that kingdom, it has no end. It will go on forever, right? So one of the things that I wanted us to remember today is what Daniel learned, that God's kingdom lasts forever. And so you've got a, a string on your finger, and it can remind you today that when we pray to God or when we talk with other people about God, we can remember that God's kingdom lasts forever. But there's something else that we do. Today, we are celebrating All Saints Day. And it's a day that we also remember that God's kingdom lasts forever. And even those people that we don't get to see anymore, that maybe have passed on, that they're a part of that kingdom too, that lasts forever. Because this earthly kingdom, it's not going to last forever. And there's one more thing we can do to remember, and we're all going to do it today. Whoops, there goes your string. We're all going to do it today. One of the things, okay, one of the things that we do as a congregation is that we sit at tables together and we have communion. And when we do that, we say we remember that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for us. And that's what happened to initiate this lifelong kingdom, this kingdom that will never, never end. So you can tie strings around your finger, you can celebrate things like All Saints Day, and you can share communion, and that can help us to remember this important dream that Daniel had. Can we do that? Would you like a string now? Okay. Let's have a prayer together. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for Daniel's dream and for the lessons that it teaches us about the kingdoms of the earth and about your holy kingdom that has no end. And all these things that we do to remember, help us to remember that you are and always will be. Amen. Okay, you can return to your pew, to your adult. You can take it off.
The New Testament reading comes to us from the book of Ephesians, reading chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. Hear God's word again to us this day. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. If I said the word eulogy, you might immediately think of a funeral. Today, many Christian funeral or memorial services follow the same general pattern. There's praise and thanksgiving offered in the form of prayers or hymns, a eulogy honoring the deceased. Many times, often, it's it's offered by a family member or a close friend. There's a sermon or a time of witness to the resurrection, recognizing that The departed saint has now received their inheritance to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then a closing benediction, a blessing for all the saints. Now, in our own tradition, a eulogy comes normally right in the middle of that service. And more times than not, we simply call it a time of remembrance. And I'd never really thought about why that name had changed and why some traditions use one over the other. So I decided to do a little word study and look into this word eulogy. Eulogy comes from the medieval Latin word eulogium, and its first known uses actually had nothing to do at all with funerals or remembering the deceased. A eulogy was a statement of praise or affirmation for someone living or something now. 
For example, when a cathedral was completed, a eulogy was given praising its architecture or design and the worship that would take place there. When a civic leader was sworn in, a eulogy was offered affirming his leadership and his commitment to the work that lay ahead. A eulogy was then not a time to look back in the sense that we understand it today. It was a celebration of the now, a time to offer accolade for a job well done or a certain achievement that will have lasting impact on our future. Over time, however, that forward-thinking eulogy began to take on some new meaning, and by the late 1600s, there began to be examples of a eulogy as a time to remember, and specifically to honor someone who has departed. Not long after that, a eulogy as we know it begins to be seen as part of the funeral services in the church. And you know, prior to this, there was no specific mention of the deceased person's life during the actual church service. Any personal comments were left to occur on the church steps, either coming or going to the service. So I wonder if you've ever written or even delivered a eulogy, a eulogy as we know it today. As we celebrate All Saints this Sunday, we do remember those that we love who have passed. And for some of us, these remembrances are still very painful as our grief is new. For others, the passing of time has eased our hearts, maybe a little. There's always this moment when I'm sitting down with a family to plan the funeral service, and I have to ask the question, would anyone like to offer a time of remembrance? I can see folks almost immediately become uncomfortable. And it's not because they don't want to do it, not that at all. It's because they know that the task will be very hard. It will be difficult during their time of intense grief. As we know it and as we understand it, we wait until one that we love is gone to do that work of reviewing life and noting the places to give thanks for, celebrate in, or remember them by. But I wonder if we shouldn't reclaim some of that original meaning And instead of waiting until life is over, eulogize what is today. There is a wonderfully sad book by John Green. It's called A Fault in Our Stars. It follows a group of teenagers who are all in a cancer support group together, struggling with a terrible terminal disease. And as a means of their healing, they decide to write their eulogies, but not their own. They write one for another in the group. And then they read them out loud together, and this is a powerful moment in the book. To hear your life, your loves, your passions, 
and how you will ultimately be remembered, spoken out loud, affirmed by others. That can be a transformative experience. It's transformative because it is back-looking, but it also has forward implications for how we continue to live our lives, right? Think about how someone might eulogize your life. What praise might you hear? What decisions or actions in your life would be mentioned? Would your eulogy reflecting on your current living have occasion to give God glory? As you think on these things, what might be your way forward so that what you hope will be, will be? Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. And though the word eulogy did not yet exist, this first part of his writing is a eulogy in that original sense. He begins by sharing with them what he knows about them, how he's perceived them, and ultimately what their legacy is. In verse 15, he writes, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayer. It's a perfect example of what a eulogy would have been. He offers accolades for their life well-lived and their distinctions as those who have embraced the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Go back and reread the whole of chapter 1 when you get a chance. In fact, all six chapters of Ephesians is not a long read. Read it again. You'll find that Paul, in sending this letter, celebrates the life of the church. He affirms that they comprise a unique community established by God through the work of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus who invites us to be a part of what God is doing still. And while Paul is remembering their activity and specifically here their actions of love toward the saints, he also in a way sets forth a roadmap for their living and for our living today. Combining that back remembering but that forward thinking that the original eulogy implied. Paul says essentially that they have proven to be who they say they are, servants of Jesus Christ. And because they are living as saints, embracing the inheritance of life abundant, not in the realm to come, but now, today. Now, in the New Testament, this term, saint, is used quite a lot and the early church adopted it immediately to identify those who were martyred or those who led exemplary lives of faith. And today in the Roman Catholic Church and in other traditions, there are still customs honoring these saints, these specific individuals with feast days or celebrations. Iconography throughout the ages immortalizes them as examples of faith. 
Today in the Protestant church, a common understanding of a saint is one who has lived the life of faith, now claims inheritance in Christ, and lives eternally with the saints in light of heaven. And so we have traditions like today, All Saints Day, where we remember and we read the names of our congregation members who have entered the joy triumphant that Christ has prepared. But Paul uses saint in his letters to mean something very different. He says all of us, all of us now who are claimed by God, well, we're the living saints. We are holy, not because of our own actions, but because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, who, Paul says, illumines our hearts to perceive our hope in his glorious inheritance. A saint for Paul, then, is anyone who embraces this inheritance and allows it to be the defining feature of our living today. And even in the years that I've been a minister, I've started to see a shift happen with All Saints Day. We do remember our loved ones gone, and I can't imagine a time when we won't. That remembering is so important. But we're also beginning to really claim Paul's theological understanding that we, who compromise the church today, that we are saints. And we represent a unique communion established by God through the work of Jesus Christ, who calls us still to follow the footsteps of the legacy that those have left before us and into a future where our deeds, our integrity, and our love of God and others, well, they can be recognized in the world. So on this All Saints celebration today, as we consider the lives we have led and the ways that others might remember them or eulogize them, I want to ask some pondering questions for you to consider. Do you want to be a part of the legacy of the church? What does it mean to you to receive the fullness of the inheritance of Jesus Christ? What does that mean for tomorrow? What does that mean for today? Do you want to contribute your actions, your devotion, or work in such a way that encourages others to embrace the inheritance too? And finally, how does the church encourage us to write our own eulogies, creating stories that celebrate our trust in God's power as they become a roadmap for our more faithful living? Today we celebrate and consecrate all the saints above and all the saints among us here in the pews as we are reminded of their power and responsibility on this very holy day.
may it be so. Amen. Our affirmation of faith this morning is the oldest known to our church, written by the saints of the second century. Let us stand now together and affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. With gratitude for God's blessings through the power at work in Jesus Christ, we gather now the gifts of the church for the sake of the gospel.
Let us pray. God of abundant love, hear the song of our hearts, a song of thankfulness and praise, a song of hope and expectation, a song of laughter and joy, a song of mirth and goodwill. May the song of your love sing forth through our tithes and offerings and through the gift of our very lives. May the joy of our hearts break forth in acts of comfort for those who weep, in acts of mercy for the poor and imprisoned, in acts of encouragement to the weary. We ask this in the name of your Son, who opened our hearts to see your love. Amen. Please remain standing as we together sing our communion hymn, which can be found in the hymnal on page 508 or printed in your bulletin. You may be seated. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely to us. We approach the table this morning not in merit, but by grace, having been given the inheritance of God's eternal kingdom through his Son, our Lord. And so, as we do, we specifically remember those who have passed in our lives in the last year, those whose joy is now complete in their resurrection, and we offer our thanksgiving. For people will come from north and south and from east and west, and will eat together in the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. 
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, God of the saints, creator of heaven and earth. From the ancient dreams of Daniel to the journeys of Jesus, you have revealed your mighty presence to us. When your people ignored your dreams and visions and when they placed their trust in earthly kings, you came to us as a mighty king revealing the truth and glory of your powerful love. Through the law and the prophets, through saints and even sinners, you have taught us to be your people. In love and mercy, you speak truth and blessing, ever renewing your covenant with us. And so with your people on earth and all the company of saints in heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your holy name. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus Christ to reveal your powerful love to the world and show us paths of saintliness and holy living. In humility and love, with justice and power, Christ revealed your kingdom and called us to kingdom living. Through Christ's powerful love and endless grace, we are invited into your presence, rescued from our sins and led on your path of justice and righteousness, that we may rejoice with the saints of your kingdom. We, who are both saint and sinner, blessed and cursed, come to you in our joys and sorrows with thanksgiving and hope, remembering how Jesus shared bread and wine, even when he faced the sinfulness of his disciples. In remembrance of your mighty acts of love and grace, we come now to the table, joined by the saints who are here and the saints in heaven. And especially this day, we honor William Hain Franklin III. And we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving with him, even as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the life and love of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed, renewed, and blessed by your love and grace. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other, one in ministry to all the world. Bless us until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet with all your saints of the church. Through Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Friends, this is a time to remember. 
And we do remember that it was on the night of Jesus' arrest that he sat with his friends one last time and at the table he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to each of them saying, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and pouring it out said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is sealed in my blood, shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins. He said, drink often, and as you do, remember me. So today we gather on this All Saints Sunday and we take once again this bread and this cup and we remember the saving death of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. For these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to come forward as the ushers direct, and we will sit together with all the saints of the church for communion. Once you've received your elements, we take now the bread together. Christ's body, broken for you, take and eat.
for you the cup of salvation, sealed in Christ's blood. Take and drink. Go in peace. Together we receive the body of Christ, broken for you, for the life of the world. Take and eat. The cup of salvation shed for your sins. Take and drink. Amen. 
Go in peace. Friends, the bread of heaven given for you. We give thanks too that the cup of salvation has been shed for our sins. Take and drink. Amen. Go in peace. Let us pray. Eternal God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and one fellowship in the mystic body of your Son, Jesus, our Lord. You have supplied us with grace, so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who you love. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray now together. Our Father who art in hell, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May we stand together as we sing for all the saints.
Go in the hope to which Christ calls us. Grow in the Spirit's wisdom and truth. Go with God's blessing. Amen.